Hey, thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message today, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Turn with me to Mark chapter 5, the Gospel of Mark chapter 5. We'll begin reading with verse 21 of Mark chapter number 5. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders, named Jairus, came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. And when they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. In Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41, Jesus exhibited his power over nature. He calmed a storm that was uh, threatening his disciples. In the opening verses of John chapter 5, Jesus showed his power over demons by exercising a legion of demons out of a man who was homeless, who lived in a cemetery. In this passage, beginning with chapter 5 verse 21, Jesus shows his power over sickness and death by healing two persons, two females, one a young girl, 
12 years of age, and the other, a grown woman who for 12 years had suffered with some sort of bleeding condition. The bleeding condition uh, appeared to be terminal. She had been to many different doctors, and uh, we can read what Mark says about her dealing with the doctors in a couple of ways. We can look at them and think that uh, the doctors had mistreated her in some way. Uh, but more than likely, it wasn't Mark's intention that the, that the doctors were mistreating her, but rather uh, she had been to a lot of doctors. They had tried to help her, but they couldn't help her, and she had run out of money. And so she was desperate. Not only that, but the fact that she had this perpetual bleeding condition made her ritually unclean and impure according to the, the, the Old Testament law of Moses. And so nobody was to touch her, nor was she to touch anybody else. It was a, a very isolating condition that she had. She might as well have had leprosy. And yet everybody knew at that time leprosy was incurable, but what she had, they thought, was either temporary or that there was someone, some doctor, somewhere, some physician who could have helped her. But they couldn't. And so you have two females, a young girl of 12, an older lady who'd been in a condition for 12 years, and one was about to die, the other one was socially as good as dead, and we know neither one of their names. But the one thing they needed and the one thing that they both got was a touch from Jesus. This passage, as you might imagine, is another one of Mark's sandwiches. The top bun in this particular passage consists of verses 21 through 24, where Jairus who is a synagogue leader and the only person outside of Jesus who is named in this passage, he asked Jesus to heal his dying daughter. Talking about last resorts. A Jewish synagogue leader, I mean, Mark doesn't say this, but you have to know that he had tried every possible avenue to help his daughter before he came to Jesus. Because the Jewish leaders didn't care very much for Jesus at all. But the top bun, Jairus asked Jesus to heal his dying daughter. The bottom bun is verses 35 through 43 where Jesus goes to Jairus' house and actually does raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. And in between that, Mark has inserted the story of this unnamed woman who is part of the crowd. All of the crowd is pressing against Jesus. There's a lot of touching going on. There are a lot of people just wanting to touch Jesus. The crowd is pressing against him, Mark says. And in this crowd, there is this woman who has said, you know, if I could just touch his clothes. New the uh, King James Version of this in the New Testament says, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I believe I'd be healed. And so she reaches in and she touches him. And so the, 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 the peanut butter and jelly in the middle of this Markan sandwich is verses 25 through 34 where this bleeding woman, this hemorrhaging woman, touches Jesus' clothes. It's a beautiful passage of Scripture. It's a passage of Scripture that makes me want to just take 
each of the persons who act out in this story and just, just note what we can know from this passage about them. Aside from the crowds in this passage, who I, I think are not to be ignored, but aside from the crowds, we have four persons who act out in this story. There is uh, a desperate leader. His name is Jairus. There is a dying girl. It's Jairus' daughter, 12 years old. There is a diseased woman whose name, I've already said, is not mentioned. And yet there's a common denominator that makes all the, all the difference in the world in each of these people's lives, as well as in the lives of the crowd, as well as in the lives of billions of people who have lived and died since this event occurred. So first of all, there was this desperate leader. His name was uh, Jairus. It's a, it's a name that means one whom God enlightens. Very interesting name, considering what the Lord does for him and his daughter here in this passage. Jairus was the leader of a Jewish synagogue. He was a Jewish leader. Uh, but unlike most of the Jewish leaders we see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jairus, uh, while he may have opposed Jesus Early on, before his daughter got sick, at this point, Jairus is a, a desperate man. Not just a desperate leader, and not just a desperate man, but he's a desperate father. There are few things in life more desperate than a desperate father. Trying to find a recovery, trying to find a cure, trying to find help for one of his children. Maybe the only thing more desperate than a desperate father is a desperate mother. But this man was, 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 was desperate. No doubt he had tried many different ways to cure his daughter's disease, and none of it helped him. And so, as a last resort, no doubt, he sought out Jesus, and he, he braved going through the crowds. Listen, people, you got to think about this Jewish leader coming into this crowd and, and uh, walking up to Jesus. Everybody's going to be talking about it. What's he doing? He's a Jewish leader. What's he doing? Other, his other Jewish leader colleagues are thinking, what on earth is he doing? We may need to fire him. We may need to uh, relieve him of his, his job here in the synagogue. A synagogue was a place where at least if you had at least 10 Jewish families, you could start a, a Jewish synagogue anywhere. And it was a place where Bible study was done. It was a place where preaching was done. Uh, baptism uh, our sacrifices were not done there. They were only done uh, in the temple. But most everything else could be done in the synagogue. It's where Jesus met a lot of times and taught. It's where he went a lot of times and he listened. Jairus was a synagogue leader. But even a leader is limited by what he or she can do. His daughter was dying. So he comes to Jesus. I need your help. I need you to come and Heal my daughter. I need for you to come and touch my daughter. And so here we have this desperate leader. Second, we have this dying girl, his daughter. The daughter of Jairus. Mark tells us in verse 42 that the girl is 12 years old. No doubt she's a daddy's girl. Mark doesn't say that, but I, I, don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a far leap to conclude here that she's a daddy's girl. She's the apple of her daddy's eye. And he is going to stop at literally nothing to try to help her. 
So you have this dying girl. And then you have a diseased woman. I uh, can't help but wonder how frustrated Jairus must have been. He's frantic to get help for his daughter. He goes to Jesus, and there's this big crowd, and he tells Jesus, it's urgent. You've got to come, and, and you've got to touch my daughter. You've got to heal my daughter. And uh, so can you see it? Can you see the crowd there? And Jesus said, okay, I, I'll, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Just, I, I'm coming, I'm coming. But, she, but he's not coming as fast as Jairus wants him to come. Do you see that? Can you see it? And in the middle of this crowd, there's this diseased woman. Twelve years, she'd had this disease. Doctors had tried but couldn't help her. She'd spent everything she had. Her condition, though, was getting worse. And her bleeding rendered her ritually unclean. She couldn't get a boyfriend. She couldn't get a best friend. She couldn't go to synagogue. She was not supposed to be in the crowd. She was supposed to, like like a leper would. She wasn't a leper, but the same kind of regulations applied to both. She was supposed to say at a distance what is wrong with her, that she's ritually unclean. So she would warn people not to come near. But she, she didn't do it this day because she was also desperate with her disease. She was an outcast. And then there was a common denominator. Actually, there are several common denominators in this passage. One of them is the fact that all three persons needed Jesus. Yes, the woman needed him. Yes, the dying girl needed him. But guess what? Old Jairus needed him. Old Jairus needed Jesus as well. All three of them did. Second, not only did they need Jesus, but they needed the touch of Jesus. Did you notice in the early verses that when Jairus came to Jesus, he fell at Jesus' feet. He didn't just come and in a face-to-face uh, conversation say, hey, I, I, you don't know me, I'm Jairus, but I'm a, I'm a synagogue leader, but that's not really important. I need you to come and help me with my daughter. No, he fell at Jesus' feet, touching him. The diseased woman came and just touched Jesus' cloak. Jesus, when he finally went to Jairus' house, the Bible says here in Mark that Jesus took the young girl by the hand. There was the touch of Jesus. All these three people needed the touch of Jesus. Not only they needed the touch of Jesus, but in the crowds. Again, the crowds were pressing against Jesus. And so when Jesus, after the woman who was bleeding had touched the, uh, his cloak, when Jesus turned and says, who, who touched me? His disciples were Shocked by that question. Lord, everybody's touching you. What are you talking about? Everybody was touching him. Everybody saw the need to be touched by Jesus. Both the woman and the girl are called daughter in this passage. When Jesus, in verse number 34, turns to this woman, this woman with the bleeding disease, he turns to her in verse 34 and he said to her, daughter. Isn't that a, isn't that a strange thing for him to call her? Daughter? You know, we, we call people sister. You know, uh, Miss Kathy Wood, our office manager, my name for her is Sister Wood. Yeah, I call her Sister Wood. Uh, when I teach classes and there are ladies in there, I don't know why I do it, but I call them sister and then their last name. I don't know why, but I just do. But I don't ever call them daughter. 
That'd be strange, wouldn't it? But Jesus calls her daughter. I think that's intentional here, not because that's what he called women, not even because that's what he called young women, but he called her that because, because in this story, uh, Mark wants to match what Jesus called this woman with what Jesus called this young girl. And he calls this young girl daughter. Both of them he calls daughter. The number 12 is something in this passage too. There's a lot of things going on in this passage of Scripture. There's a young girl who was 12 years old. There's a woman who'd been suffering this bleeding disease for 12 years. There's a Jewish leader in a Jewish synagogue and in Scripture, although we don't see Mark using a 12 to, to, uh, to describe this man. In Jewish Scripture, including the Old Testament and places in the New Testament, Jewish people, and, and to spread it out a little bit further, the people of God are symbolized by the number 12. Twelve sons of Jacob, twelve tribes of Israel, twelve disciples of Jesus. In the book of Revelation, there is a number, it's a symbolic number used to symbolize all the people of God. It's 144,000, which happens to be a multiple of twelve. It's amazing what Mark is doing here. But then another common denominator here is Jesus' disregard for Jewish ritual in preference for his own way of doing things, his own way of helping people. Listen, when religious regulation gets in the way of helping people, we got a problem. For Jesus, it was a problem. For the bleeding woman to touch him was against Jewish regulations, but Jesus did not rebuke her for touching him. After uh, becoming ritually unclean himself. You see, when this woman touched Jesus, not only was she ritually unclean, but it made Jesus ritually unclean. And yet, when he got to Jairus' house, this unclean Savior took the hand of this young, deceased girl. Jesus showed no regard for the old way of doing things. This Jewish leader, Jairus, by approaching Jesus and especially by falling at his feet, went against the restrictions of his Jewish responsibilities. This wasn't what they were supposed to do. I'll tell you something else. They weren't supposed to touch a dead body. And yet Jesus takes this girl by the hand. This, this girl has already died. The woman who is getting worse is already socially dead as well as on her way to being physically dead. And no one would have anything to do with this bleeding woman and no average person would have much to do with Jairus' daughter. No one that is except Jesus. Because this woman and this girl and this leader and this crowd and this congregation needs the touch of Jesus more than anything else we need. Touch is an amazing thing. In 1818, in France, there was a young boy named Louis. He was working in his father's shop. His father was a harness maker, and little Louis wanted to help his father. And so his father wanted to kind of help him do whatever he could, and Louis picked up an awl, a tool that's used to make holes in leather and but the tool slid out of his hand and it hit him in one eye, put his eye out. He was three years old. 
And they didn't have the medication that they needed in those days. And so the eye that was put out got infected. And the infection over the course of the next few months spread to his other eye. And he ended up by the, by the age of five, he was totally blind. Louis. But Louis didn't give up. His family didn't get up. And one day, a friend of Louis came to play with him. And he handed him a pine cone. And Louis was holding the pine cone. Of course, he couldn't see it. He was blind, but he was holding it. And he got an idea. And from holding that pine cone with its little prickly edges, he developed, by the time he was 12, a way for blind people to read. It didn't catch on until after he was dead, but Louis Braille, by the time he was 12, had developed braille by which blind people could see and it all it has to do with touch sense of touch is the first sense we receive and it's the first way that we so often end up feeling emotions touch opened up a whole new world for him but i will tell you the touch of jesus opens up a whole new world for everybody for you see, no matter who we are or where we come from, our greatest need is the touch of Jesus. We need his touch. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, Lord, for your touch. I'm thankful to you, Lord, that your touch is the most tender, gracious, generous, soft, merciful, and loving touch that any of us will ever experience. And I pray for more people to come to experience your touch. We have people in our church who need your touch, people in the hospital who need your touch, Families in crisis who need your touch. Young people who are confused who need your touch. We're in a nation that needs your touch. There are so many lost people around us who need your touch. And God, I pray that you would use us as your instruments to make that touch happen. In Jesus' name, amen.